Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am Kevin. He is Scott. It is Thursday morning, a little switch up from the regularly scheduled week. We'll get back to regular uh, next week. My mom was in town. She has just, uh, well, she'll be boarding a plane back to Detroit in approximately two hours. So I've got a little more time on my hands now. So we can get into the Wisconsin preview as we will today. We will get into our week seven picks that will be coming tomorrow. And then the re, uh, recap Wisconsin regularly. So we'll figure out what we're doing with the bye week. Um, before Michigan, we did like a kind of special Michigan episode last year. Um, we'll see what we end up doing. Well, we have some time to figure that out. But it is Thursday morning and... The Michigan game is coming up, and that's a little segue into the question I have for you, Scott, uh, and for the listeners as well. You can kind of nod along or shake your head in your car or wherever you are. So we got Wisconsin coming up this week. We got a bye week before Michigan next week. The question is simple. I don't know if the answer is, would you rather have the bye week this week? Just all else the same. You can either just play Wisconsin now, bye week, then Michigan, or bye week now, everything just slats a week back. Then we play Wisconsin, then Michigan, so on. Can I give myself a third option? Nope. All right. That's rude. Um, probably not. I think I'd rather have the bye before Michigan just to give the team as much time to soul search as they can um i don't think any amount of preparation is what we're looking for right now we need to go like, like a meditation retreat. or something <laughs> yeah i don't know just just shake it up like in a major way go to tibet uh, yeah yeah fam- go see the pope whatever you got to do uh yeah no i think having it before michigan is fine uh, the reason i asked if i could give myself another another option i'd rather have it after michigan to just kind of like wash oh, our okay. hands That's interesting let the let the guys stew on it for a week and then get back to work and just kind of like reset after michigan because then you go at illinois and then you've got indiana and or rutgers and then indiana so just kind of like put that 
a whole part of the season behind us and focus on the last four <laughs> games if I could. But uh, no, I think I like it here. Um, I don't know. But then again, I, the bye before Wisconsin, we might actually scrape out a decent performance this weekend. So what about you? Yeah, I so I put this out on Twitter and it was basically like, I don't think I've ever seen a football team that needs a bye week worse than MSU does right now. And that was kind of what got me thinking. I was like, well, if I could bump that up a week, would I do it? I think I would. Just because, I mean, you look up and down. First of all, a lot of players, coaches, they, when you have a really bad game, you would rather just get right back on the field and not have to stew on it and think about it for two weeks or whatever. You'd just rather leave it in the rearview mirror on Monday right back to work, right back into another game and just rid yourself of it, right? And that that makes sense to me philosophically, but I, I feel like we're past that. You know, like that would have been after like Minnesota where it's just like, all right, that was horrifically bad. Throw away the tape, move on. Let's play right away. Get that stink off of us. But coming off of four straight losses, the you've just got to kind of reset this thing and it takes a little bit more than a week to really reset it the way that I'm talking about. And I'm not, we can get into the firing coordinators or whatever, like that's a different discussion, but more of just like you said, like a, a mental restart. I think we need that so badly right now. But then on top of that, you've got a couple guys, right? Like Xavier Henderson warmed up last week, which would tell me that he's almost ready. You give him a whole nother week and then you know he's going to come back, uh, two weeks later, whatever, fully ready to go. Maybe an extra week gets Jacob Slade the rest that he needs. Um, you know, we're not really sure what the timeline is there. I just feel like we need a bye week so bad. I would I would bump it up, even though I know that that means you have a pretty big gauntlet to end the year without any other breaks. But, man, it just feels like we need a reset right now. And um, I don't know. We, we like come we into... Need... We need like a by month. That's yeah. really what this team <laughs> needs. Nice. Like pause everything for a month, reinstitute an entirely new game scheme. I love that word scheme. It's the word of the year for this. Yeah, it is for this team. Um, yeah, I it's it's a tough spot, and uh, there's no breaks in the Big Ten, so you got to get better on the fly. And everyone else is getting better, and that's what makes it even harder. Um, that's what we're gonna have to do this weekend if we want to win. Yeah, we were just talking. If you if you want to win this, I mean, if you want any chance of a bowl game, you pretty much have to win this one. I mean, you look through the rest of the schedule. We got two wins under our belt. We need four more. If you assume that Rutgers and Indiana both at home, those are our two best chances for wins. So if you assume, okay, if we're going to get to six, those have to be two of them. That brings us to four. You still have to win two more games. And you've got... Number five, Michigan on the road. You've got number 10, Penn State on the road. You've got number 24, Illinois on the road, which in theory would have to be one of these two extra wins in addition to Wisconsin. I mean, if you lose this game to get to a bowl game, you're going to have to win Illinois, Rutgers, Indiana, and one of Michigan or Penn State. And that just seems like something that this team isn't really capable of right now. So this is pretty much a, a must-win spot if you want to salvage something at the end of this year. I know the coaches love those extra bowl practices, right? It's it's not just when we talk about trying to get to a bowl game. 
it's not about just the fan thing of, yeah, we get to watch another week of football and the kids get the, you know, gift bags or whatever. Like those extra bowl practices can be a pretty big deal heading into next year. So you have to win this one. And that's kind of setting the table for, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about this, this game, but in the context of the whole season, this is, this is as must win as it gets in this early on in October. Yeah, the I don't think I had realized or put it together that all three of those Illinois, Michigan, and Penn State games were on the road. I knew individually they were, but yeah, that's uh, that's ugly. And if you're thinking Illinois, what what are they talking? They're ranked now um, five they, and one. They've given up t- more than ten points once this year. Um, they are contending for the West. They I might think, have a top five-ish running back in the country. If you guys have seen Chase Brown, he is unbelievable. So I know the Big Ten East has three top ten teams right now. So I'm not going to say outright that the Big Ten East is better or is, is worse than the West. But the West is deep this year. And it's been growing for a while. I mean, I know Nebraska is still Nebraska. Uh, Northwestern still Northwestern. And Purdue hasn't been the same but Purdue is what four and they're four and two five and one. I mean, yeah, and you got still got Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa can, well, they can stop anyone. I wouldn't say they can beat anyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I wouldn't. I don't envy the West. It's kind of their own little like good not great gauntlet over there. And Illinois has entered the mix. So, um, yeah, the Big Ten man it is only getting stronger, and it's not the kind of conference that you want to be in a position we are right now uh, in midseason. But anyway, like you said, must win. We're playing at home in the woodshed. It would be great to give our fans something to cheer about. It's homecoming week, week, right? It is homecoming. So hopefully yes. we'll get a good crowd there a little bit, you know, bigger than we would normally for a two and four football team. So Hopefully they can get loud. I know the homecoming games, while they're usually pretty well attended, are not necessarily the loudest given the clientele that might be attending that normally don't. But um, yeah, we need it. I mean, we need it this week. And uh, the line right now, is it still seven, seven and a half on DraftKings? They're an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You can also bet Michigan State. They got player props, all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can also boost their winnings with the DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. You can look at um, combining a an Elijah Collins over rushing yards with like a nice Trey Mosley over receptions, if you like. Um you can do stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member, to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So um, I was watching a bit of Wisconsin the last uh, few days here, I was catching up on you know what they've been doing this season. Tried to watch a couple of the good games, a couple of the bad games, and recently that's pretty easy. They're coming off of 
a so obviously they fired their coach um, Paul Christ after the Illinois loss in their last two games, a forty-two to seven win on the road and a thirty-four to ten loss at home. That was to to Northwestern and to Illinois. So you're coming off of just kind of a weird spot right now for Wisconsin. They're three and three. They're on their interim head coach, who most people believe will be the long-term hire, Jim Leonard, their defensive coordinator, uh, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, now put into the head coaching position. You never know how guys are going to transition, but through one week, you know, it looks pretty good. It's against Northwestern, but um, I mean, what do you, so when you watch Wisconsin, when you look through the the stats, what really stands out to you positively, negatively, as we kind of head into the woodshed here this week? Yeah, we talked about him preseason, um, but Braylon Allen is as good as advertised. Um, Grown-ass man. Yeah, he's, what, a sophomore, I think? A true sophomore yep. this year? And, uh, yeah, he doesn't look it. He has 104 carries this year for 634 yards and six touchdowns in six games. So um, throws in a little bit of receiving, not really his game though, and not really Wisconsin style. Um, yeah, I mean, he he's another bulldozer Big Ten running back. It feels like we've had one every game since it really does. I was born. Um <laughs> This year, Mayan William, I, Mo Ibrahim, that Littleton at uh, Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, Littleton, he was their bulldozer, but Hemby too. Um, yeah. I mean, he's a giant. He's, he's ready to, to run through anybody's face. And, um, it's another tall task. Wisconsin's offensive line is always going to be a certain level of good, although this year might be a little bit down. But, I mean, you look at Michigan State's run defense the last few games. We've, you know, given up a hundred and no, sorry. Uh, yeah, I lost the stat, but we've given up 200 plus yards in, uh, on the ground in two of our last three games against Minnesota and Ohio state. We gave up high one hundreds, uh, against Maryland. It's, uh, it's a tall order to stop Braylon Allen and we'll get to Graham Mertz. I think that's where the vulnerability lies if we're going to try to exploit anything, but um, Wisconsin's the type of team, especially on the road. We talk about establishing the run every episode. Now Um, big time coaches want to establish the run everywhere, but especially on the road, take the crowd out of it, slow the game down, shorten the game. And if Wisconsin is given the ability to get five, six yards a carry every carry. They're never going to throw the ball. They just don't have to, and they don't care to. So take the pressure off Graham Mertz in a hostile environment. Um, first and foremost, I mean, w- let me get be clear. We're not going to stop Braylon Allen. We're not Illinois held Wisconsin somehow magically to two rushing yards. Um, that's Illinois is a lot be better defense than we are right now. <laughs> so he's going to get his, um, but you got to contain him. You got to avoid the big plays, stay disciplined in your gaps and hold him to shorter gains and force some third downs on Graham Mertz's arm. Um, Kevin, before we get to the pass defense, Braylon Allen, Wisconsin's run game, our run defense, anything stick out to you there? I'm just counting. So I was doing a quick uh, stat check here. I mean, so Braylon Allen has played 18 games at Wisconsin. He's got games of 
130 yards, 108 yards, 140 yards, 104 yards, 129 yards, 173, 228, 159, 146, 165, 135, on top of a, a couple other games that are like 90s and, and 80s. Um, he very rarely has a bad day, and his good days are about as good as it can get. So you remember Nebraska's defense last year was really good. Braylon Allen ran for 228 and three touchdowns against them. I mean, this kid's a monster. Um, it does come down to forcing Graham Mertz's hand. And, and when you do, you got to get pressure on him. So Graham Mertz, I put this out on Twitter. So I was running through the game log and everybody kind of knows Graham Mertz as the well, it's usually not very good, but it can be great. I put this out on Twitter for the people who aren't on there or didn't see it. So Graham Mertz has started 26 games for Wisconsin. He has had 10 games with more touchdowns than interceptions and eight games with more interceptions than touchdowns. He has had seven games with at least two touchdowns. He's had four games with at least two interceptions. He's had six games above 70% passing. He's had nine games below 55%. So it's just a total roller coaster experience with Graham Mertz. He can be great. He can be really bad. And it seems like from what I've been watching, especially this year, the bad throws, the bad games, when he has pressure in his face, he just loses all sense of logic and common sense. I mean, you see some plays on his um on his tape that it's just he's got one guy coming in on the blitz and instead of just taking a four yard sack he'll just literally blindly toss the ball up in the air in the middle of the field and it's just like what in the world are you thinking you don't even do that in madden at this point you know what i mean it's it's just boneheaded insane decision making so if you get that Graham Mertz and you get some pressure, you force a couple turnovers, like all of a sudden, you know, we can make this a ball game. But if you allow Braylon Allen to carve you up, and this goes back to the running game, and then all of a sudden the play action is open to Mertz, that frees up the pocket a little bit, that's where you get into trouble. Because he he does have a nice arm. He can make every throw in the book. And he's got a couple weapons. They had a kid last week um chimiri dk he was a wide receiver for wisconsin I, it feels like we haven't said something about a wide receiver from wisconsin in ages he had 185 yards and three touchdowns last week so he's got some weapons out there and he can make all the throws and if you give him a clean pocket if you let them work off a of play action because braylon allen's running for seven yards a carry it's going to be a long day against the wisconsin offense so it all comes down to kind of forcing Graham Mertz into, like you said, some of that third and seven, third and eight. And then all of a sudden he can, that decision-making can, can work in your favor. You, you win the field position battle, so on and so on. That's kind of what the game boils down to for me. I don't know if you agree. I mean, that's what it boils down to. I just don't have any confidence. We're going to right. generate pressure <laughs> or stop the run. Um, if we want to talk about how Michigan State's going to win this game, we have to just make an assumption that we're going to, in some phase of the game, be significantly better than we have been. So that's just a massive caveat. Like, 
if I say something about we we need to do this, I've I've fully recognized that a lot of times we haven't been able to do that yet. Is there a phase that you think is the most likely to make that jump? I don't know if that's a weird question. Um well we were talking about before we went out got on that Michigan State right now is missing four run stopping starters. Um four and a half because we have our backside or I think strong side edge and backup are both hurt, but you, you get an edge, you get Jacob Slade at tackle, you've got Darius Snow at linebacker, and you've got Xavier Henderson at uh strong safety. So if we got some guys back. I think that like Slade and or Henderson, I think could be an immediate boost to the run defense. Um, the past defense, uh, although Slade was great at generating pressures last year. Um, I think run defense just cause it's like, it was the most recently good. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> they can get back to that. Um, I mean, the offensive side is a whole different story. And unfortunately looking rather bleak right now. So yeah, I I think run defense, we even showed it to start this year. It it was a little bit harder to run on us. Washington only had about a hundred yards on like 38 carries or something. Um, And this would be a great game to get our run defense back. Slade is such a difference maker, man. I, I mean, you look back last year, the interception that Darius snow had against Indiana that was all Jacob Slade. He just busted through the middle of the offensive line. He was he, a half a step away from a sack, but he forced the pressure that forced a terrible throw and it just fell into Darius Snow's hands. He's such a difference maker in the pass game, the run game. Without him, we have decent depth at interior defensive line. It's what we talked about all offseason. That might be the strongest group, but he is so good on it on his own. It's similar to wide receiver, right? Like, it's a pretty deep room. I think I feel comfortable putting four or five of our guys out there on any given snap. But when you don't have Jaden Reed, all of a sudden, all of those B, B minus guys are forced to be playing at a B plus or A minus level. And it's like, well, no, they're, they're B minus guys that you really like having at two, three, four. Um, and it's just similar to, you know, Simeon Barrows playing good football. But, you know, you're you're not really getting that difference maker next to him. And and that's what really kind of gets everything going for this defense. So I don't know. I mean, it, if yeah, I, I mean, would you rather have Slade or Henderson back? Obviously, you know, Darius Snow, unfortunately, out for the whole season. I think between these two or maybe Petrovsky, if you want to throw him in there, I don't know if he's on the level of those two players, but. Um. You know, what's interesting is we look at the defense the last few games, the two replacements for those guys being um, at defensive tackle, Derek Harmon, and at safety, obviously, Kendall Brooks, have both held their own actually really well. I think of all of our defenders, the two of them have have been not mistake-free, but in, in the context of our defense, um, in terms of limiting mistakes, some of the best on the defense and Derek Harmon's been actually surprisingly productive. I do, I do agree that Jacob Slade would be a massive boost 
if we got him back, but Derek Harmon's flashed and I'm actually really excited about what he's going to do the next couple of years in, uh, in the green and white. Um, I'll say Xavier Henderson. I mean, I don't think it's much of a downgrade athletically to go to Kendall Brooks. Kendall Brooks is really athletic uh, and he's shown that and he's, he's willing and he seems to generally be in the right place when you look at the secondary breakdowns we've had. But the reason I think Xavier Henderson is so important playing these young safeties, especially now with a guy like Justin White, who's a slot corner playing free safety. If Jaden Mangum's not back uh, or if they decide not to rotate yep. Rose back up there, um, just having a leader like that with so much experience to help with secondary alignments to just basically turn to the other safety and say, this is what you're supposed to do this play <laughs> because it's been pretty clear at, at times that they didn't really know. Um, I think having his, his knowledge and experience in that se- defensive secondary and, and not only to help the secondary, but to help the linebackers, we've seen alignment problems with uh, Ben Van Sumeran and, and Cal Halliday as well. So, and now guys like Naoteote are rotating in who have very limited game experience. So just having him as kind of the field general for that defense, I think would make a big difference. Yeah, no, I I think that's a good point. You, half of the things that we've been complaining about are all alignment issues and, you know, guys not knowing what to do. So maybe that one voice, that coach in the huddle, so to speak, could make a big difference there. But we've talked a lot about, the Wisconsin offense versus the Michigan State defense. And I, I do want to kind of flip it over because we, we've we talked about Peyton Thorne. We've talked about the Noah Kim situation. Are, are we at situation yet? Is that like, what are the, the tiers of like, it's a, a funny joke, it's a thing, and then it's a situation? Is that the... <laughs> I think we're still in like the... We're in like this strong thing phase. Like it's yeah, a conversation. It's, it's not yet a situation. Okay. I mean, there's no real high level chatter about our quarterback position right now. Um, I think once once Mel Tucker is asked in a press conference about the backup quarterback, then it's a situation. <laughs> is that the bar? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Man, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're talking about Peyton Thorne in this light. Like, I love the guy, but God. It's so frustrating. Um, and you know, in a similar way to the Xavier Henderson thing, like, you know Peyton Thorne is one of the absolute leaders of this team. We've seen it time and time again. He's super competitive. He's very vocal. And so, like, you you don't want to lose out on that aspect of it at all. He's just playing some poor football. I mean overthrows and underthrows yeah. and misreads and panic it's in the just pocket. not looking good <laughs> you know the uh i'm sure we have a few harry potter fans um listeners back-to-back know, episodes with harry potter references in harry potter what we i've been watching <laughs> with my wife so it's top of mind you know in the first one when the kids are, are going through to down into the whatever they're going down into to see you know, Voldemort for the first time. And there's that like plant that they land on and it starts like grabbing them and they have to relax to get the plant to like let oh, them right. fall through. I feel like Peyton Thorne, like he needs to channel that energy of like, listen, I love that you're a competitor. I love that you're trying as hard as you are and you're showing the effort and the grit and everything. But like, 
loosen up, like take a deep breath. We like, it's, it's not going to help anyone if you're trying too hard. So I love, like I said, I love his attitude and his um, willingness, but just take a deep breath, calm down, let the game come. The game just doesn't seem to be coming to him right now. He seems to be really just scrapping to try to find the right play and like thinking really trying to think really fast. And, and there just doesn't have a feel for things right now. Um, and as, as a leader, as a, you know, vocal guy, whatever, like that kind of trickles down too, right? When your leader in the huddle is kind of jittery or overthinking stuff or whatever, like that, you know, the left guard all of a sudden sees him and kind of mirrors that energy. And then the, the running backs mirror that energy where Peyton Thorne is trying too hard to make the big play or make the right read or whatever. And then the running backs are thinking too hard about trying to hit the home run instead of taking the four yards. It's like the whole offense just needs to do the whole Tibetan monk visit and do the Aaron Rodgers treatment, like whatever, whatever you need to do, everybody just needs to chill. You know, everybody Michigan just... state ayahuasca retreat. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Mel, you, um, you're going to see our, our, one of our friends, he works in uh, air traffic control. We'll have to track that to see if there's any, any private jets heading from Lansing down to uh, Peru or something. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we've kind of naturally landed on the offense here, but um, as we look at, at our offense, um, which was supposed to be the strength of this team going into the year. Um, I know I'm sure Peyton Thorne will start. That's not, like I said, that's a thing, but it's not a situation yet. Um, I look at the running game because you know, they're going to try to establish the run. That's a buzzer. We should have like a buzzer for like a, <laughs> we should have like a, a big 10 football bingo board. And it has like established the run field position, we'll, field position, punting is winning all these different. So if you're playing along at home, somebody make a time a of possession board for us and send it to us. Um, dude, Eli Collins has to start. Yeah. Like, I'm sick of trying to force these transfers to be a thing. I don't know what the blind allegiance to them is. Like I, I like them. I think they've got game that that's, I think they have potential that hasn't really come to fruition yet. And I'm, I'm hopeful that it can, at a certain point, I mean, we're halfway through the season and Eli Collins has been the best. He's, he's averaging 6.4 yards per carry. The next best is Berger at 4.8. I mean, he's been the best runner on the team. Look at, you know what, look at a vacuum too. Like you have a situation with Team X and there is a running back on the team who's a senior. He's been with the program for a long time. He has a, an outstanding season under his belt with, just about a thousand yards and however many touchdowns he had that year he is fully healthy he is leading the team in average uh in a rushing average and he is consistently being used as the third running back on the team behind two guys who neither of which are running for over five yards a carry so that just doesn't make any sense and get this guy he has 16 carries this year i mean what are we doing at this point? At least if you're not going to make it the Eli Collins' backfield, at least make it a true like three-man rotation because he's not even getting that treatment right now. He's got 16 carries, Jarek Broussard 41, Jalen Berger 64. It's a clear third guy in the rotation, and it absolutely should not be. Yeah, I don't. 
I don't understand it. And, you know, Mel Tucker was speaking on uh, or speaking of press conference questions, making things a reality. He was asked about this after the Ohio State game and after a game before that as well. I don't remember specifically which one. Um, Probably Maryland. Eli Collins had five carries for 36 yards in that really great touchdown. He has two games with more than five carries, and in both of those games, he averaged more than seven yards a carry and scored a touchdown. I Every time he's gotten a chance, he's looked good, and yet 16 carries through six games, he's not even averaging three touches. I, it, we talked about it, I think, in the, the recap for Ohio State, but you know, they have their rep charts and they, I know they grade every practice rep and everything, but like we're halfway through the season now game game film has to be the main yeah. production and performance has to be the, the first consideration. And if it's not, that really puts into question what the hell these coaches are doing. I he's got to start just, he's got to, he's a senior. Like you said, he's stable. We know he's got game. No, he's not going to take the top off a of defense, but nobody in his backfield has taken a top off the defense yet this year. He's the only one who gets more yards than the plays blocked for. And I, I know I'm just ranting about the same things over and over now, but please, for the love of God, start, start him. Yeah. And this, I mean, look, this is a, a tough Wisconsin defense and it's not, exactly the the best remedy to the problems we've had on offense now it's not necessarily what we've seen the last couple years from wisconsin on defense but they are 33rd in the country in opponents points per game against with under 20 um it's it's still a salty defense under jim leonard they were pretty young they've started to get better and better as the season has gone on and uh, i got our our friend i got some intel here from a, a Wisconsin guy that I know. And he was saying that their number one corner hasn't played yet this year. He pulled a hammy in camp and he should be back this week. So of course, just our luck, um, you know, right when Wisconsin, you know, coming off of a 45 to seven win with you know this new energy with the interim head coach and the defensive coordinator they're getting healthy while we're losing guys it's just like ah uh, come on you know we can't really catch a break there but um yeah it's 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 a good Wisconsin defense if that if this um if this corner does come back Alex Alexander Smith then you know that just makes it even more difficult cuz right now when I was watching Wisconsin on defense and, you know, when it, when they gave up a play, it always seemed to be through the secondary, you know, in a kind of a similar way to us where it's just, they've got young defensive backs. They don't really look like they're all in sync. They're kind of leaving some zone spots open and guys are getting beat and man, their secondary hasn't really looked great this year. The front seven is, is Wisconsin level. You know, it's about what you would expect, but the secondary hasn't been great. So that's the one side where I look at we might be able to exploit that. This corner comes back, you know, maybe that makes things more difficult, but you know, you're you're playing in your first game in your seventh week of the season. He's probably not going to be shutting Jaden Reed down right when he comes back. So maybe, maybe there's something there. Maybe we're able to throw the ball on Wisconsin. Maybe this is a week where, you know, Jaden Reed is a big part of the game plan and we give Keon Coleman a few more of those shots downfield, which again, 
like we are so far into the season to have really from like my anecdotal memory i only really remember like five six shots to keon coleman down the field that should be a twice a game like put it in sharpie in the playbook this play is designed peyton for a 40 plus yard play downfield to keon coleman where worst case scenario we get a pass interference call you know what i mean like where is that in the playbook you have a freakishly athletic six foot four wide receiver and you refuse to throw him the ball 30 40 yards down the field it doesn't make any sense to me yeah i mean he's been looking for Jaden reed on those shots like the interception on the first which like fair Jaden reed's really good at that right but, but like where in the in the playbook are we going play action you know like the minnesota you take pj flex minnesota or the minnesota vikings play action where you just got the two guys wide you're in 12 personnel with the two tight ends one on each side of the line you fake the play action and you run a double post and whichever single whichever side the single high safety chooses you put you throw to the other guy Mm -hmm. instead peyton reed's been throwing to the same guy over and over which just makes the safety's life a whole lot easier but where are these scheme shots, right? And we saw them so much last year. It's it's like now that the offense isn't as efficient, we're trying even less to find the big plays, which just, I don't know, just it's a recipe for disaster. Um, right, we proved last year that you can win games just by having a bunch of explosive plays because right. we were not efficient on offense last year. It was the big plays that put the points on the board and at least, you know, challenges the other team to do something to defend these, you know, like it it opens up so much. If you're not going to be efficient, you might as well take those shots. I'm not saying go four verticals every play, but like you have to incorporate that more into the game plan. And maybe this is the week, maybe against a Wisconsin defense, that's a defensive backfield that's gettable. Keon Coleman, Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley, Peyton Thorne. I mean, it sounds weird to say against a Wisconsin defense, but this isn't a terrible spot to really kind of have that breakthrough game. And again, I mean, you know, this is just pure blank optimism talking as a Michigan State fan. We all know what we've seen, but, <laughs> you know, if if you're looking for a game in the upcoming schedule to to kind of have a breakout passing performance, it's probably not Michigan. It's probably not illinois <laughs> like it's kind of got to be this week now i will say an area that i think we've kind of glazed over but deserves attention is the offensive line and to take shots depending on the type of shot you need time and i mean by the end of the ohio state game we saw peyton thorne getting zero time uh he was maybe getting through his first read and at a certain point he got so used to pressure that he started bailing on plays as well and that plays into it but this offensive line, we talked about it in the offseason that it was going to be a kind of a linchpin for the whole offense. And when we didn't think it was going to get this bad, but they've been pretty bad um, by and large. I mean, if you're just looking at overall performance, maybe a C, C minus average, um, they need to get Peyton Thorne more time than he was getting last week. And Ohio State, to be fair, is some of the best defensive line athletes. Uh, in the country, let alone the conference. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, it's not going to be through the ground though. Like you said, we can keep them honest on the ground, um, but we're not going to, we're not going to win the game on the ground. So we got to find that passing performance. Um, if we, if we really stand a chance, we know the defense, even if they have a good game is going to give up somewhere in the twenties at minimum. I mean, the, the idea of holding any opponent under 20 points now, just it, it sounds impossible. Totally out of reach. So the offense has to be shooting for, you know, 28 minimum to, to really stand a chance to win this game, in my opinion. So where's that going to come from? Where are you going to find four successful drives in this game? It's got to be through the air. So we'll, we'll cap this thing off with some optimism. All right. So we're going to look, it's, it's like a seven point spread. This isn't a game against Ohio state, right? This is, this is a team that's three and three. We get them at home. So, you know, we'll do kind of the Michigan state wins if segment, but it's, it's more of just what, what can we point to that, you know, you wake up Sunday morning, Michigan state won. what happened? Uh, this is supposed to be the optimistic segment, Scott. <laughs> Optimism. All right. All right. So Peyton Thorne, uh, <laughs> Peyton Thorne throws for 70 plus percent, breaks 300 yards and throws three touchdowns. If Peyton Thorne has a good game, if Peyton Thorne finds something of what he showed throughout last year, um, we'll stand a shot against any good, not great team. I, I think it's hard to expect any other phase of the game to get significantly Optimism. better, but no, the, the quarterback <laughs> can make such a giant impact on a football game. So Peyton Thorne finds his mojo. He gets an early couple scores at home. The crowd gets behind him. He's dapping it up with the receivers on the sidelines going into the second quarter. We're still feeling good in the second quarter and the rest falls into place. I love my my optimistic segment of how do we win the game. Scott's like, well, the rest of the team still sucks, but we just get really good quarterback play. That's like the best we can manage here. I mean, I can't expect like 10 of the guys to all of a sudden get better. So who's the one guy that if he plays better, we actually stand a chance to win? It's the quarterback. Yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I, yeah, I mean, for me, I think it it starts with the other side. It starts with Graham Mertz. And it's you, you get some pressure on Mertz, whether that's Jacoby Winman kind of refinding himself off the edge and, and you get some well-timed blitzes, you get Mertz uncomfortable early. He rarely gets comfortable once he is uncomfortable. So you get a couple shots on him early. You force a couple interceptions. I know it's the Michigan state pass defense, but it's Graham Mertz we're talking. He's thrown four interceptions to Northwestern before. This is <laughs> this is not a, an opponent dependent quarterback. Uh, this this guy is plenty capable of of making some boneheaded decisions. So you force a couple turnovers by Mertz. Whether that turns into a short field, whether that turns into points directly, that's kind of where it starts. If if you're not forcing turnovers on defense to give yourself a couple spots with nice field position. You're going to make yourselves a lot, make this a lot more difficult than it needs to be. So you get a couple turnovers, and then it comes down to Peyton Thorne, like you said. I, I don't, I don't think we're going to win this game because we ran for six and a half yards a carry and 190 yards. So we're going to win this game because Peyton Thorne and the receivers finally found their rhythm, found their timing, 
hit a bunch of quick throws that turned into bigger throws because Coleman and Reed are really good after the catch and Malik Carr maybe gets involved. So I, I think it's it's really those two things, um, turnovers and and Michigan State passing offense. All right, one question for you on because your Graham Mertz thing brought it up. Do we just like blitz the hell out of them this week? I mean, we know if we sit back in defense, holes are going to open up quickly. And like Graham Mertz isn't Aaron Rodgers in terms of like being able to throw straight into the teeth of a blitz and make you pay for it every time. I'm thinking in the first quarter, you got to get him on the ground like minimum of three times. So do you just start think, sending guys a lot? I think so. And I think what you what you do is who was it? Um you remember I think it was TCU back in the the day with um what was the Gary Patterson. Yeah. And they did that crazy defense where they just had like seven guys moving around all over the line of scrimmage on any given play. You had no idea which ones were coming and which Brown ones defense. were dropping out. Do it. <laughs> like yeah. I mean at this point you just especially with I'm not saying this is the recipe the rest of the year but I'm saying this is a quarterback who is pretty good when he's comfortable and horrendous when he's under pressure so you just do everything you can to throw him off and you know you don't do the same thing against Sean Clifford right but against Graham Mertz yeah you do whatever you can to get some pressure and you do whatever you can to make him uncomfortable and force him away from his first read, and that's your best shot. You're not just going to kind of sit back, play your base defense, and hope that you know with a clean pocket he makes mistakes. He's pretty good with a clean pocket. So yeah, you just got to do whatever you can to dirty that up. Get him out of the A gap. I feel like the only time we blitz is we put we do that double mug on the. It's always A-gap. so obvious. I know, and like yeah, they either like have all their weight on their front foot so they can push back and they're clearly not rushing or they're clearly all their weight on their back foot ready to bulldoze the center and it's we so do the easy. same we do the same thing with the nickels too like the nickel will creep up towards the line of scrimmage like five seconds before the ball is snapped and it's and like they'll dude, back off everybody in the stadium so knows that you're blitzing <laughs> yeah it's it I mean the challenge right is that the nickel in a four-two-five, the nickel's so far out that if he really wants a chance to get home, he kind of needs the head start. And it, without a four-three defense, you don't have that off-ball linebacker who's already closer to the box. Right. So it's it's hard to mix it up. But like safety blitz, I feel like we never bring a safety downhill. Xavier Henderson used to like sack the quarterback with mm-hmm. relative consistency. Don't do that anymore. So just I don't care. Corner blitzes. Set. Right. What's the uh, engage eight? Do it. (laughs) I want Madden at this point. Four verticals and engage eight every play. (laughs) Live or die. Do it. This is this is the year where the sixteen year old with the Madden controller might actually be better off because it's just a a, an agent of chaos. You know, that's what we need right now. Shoot your shot every play. Do it. I I love this point. It's not going to be any worse. So I love it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll make our picks on Friday. Make sure you listen to that episode. We'll make our picks for the whole slate of run your pool. If you're on run your pool, make your picks this week. That's your reminder. We'll give you another reminder when you listen tomorrow, we got an awesome slate of college football. And of course we always cap it off with the Michigan state predictions. And, uh, yeah, we're happy you guys are still on board with us. We appreciate the support. 
And if you want to drop us a review, a recommendation to a friend, some, you know, it, we've done a lot of like verbal coping. So if, if you guys are in with that, you need a little support group, um, we can be that for you. So appreciate everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Until then, go green, go white. Take care, folks.